Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. What up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Fightful Roundtable. I'm your host, Shaquille Mahjoudi, hopping over, doing my once-a-month duty from CBS Sports. And we are joined now by Alex Lajas, doing the three-peat, basically the head of the table at this point. <laughs> so happy to have you on, take off a bunch of the responsibility on my end. It's so much easier to find two extra hosts than it is to find three, so thank you for making my job easy. <laughs> You're and yeah, just just the best, just the absolute best. So we're joined today by my fellow Canadians taking it over fresh off Forbidden Door. You probably heard the gentleman on the bottom left screaming at the top of his lungs for the entirety of Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. Santi, <laughs> and on our right, no guest work today. Steve, you probably saw the shorts. Guess the wrestler. One of you is amazing at it. The other one, at least, <laughs> at least, yo, so shots funny. fired already. We're gonna get common Steve L's in the chat real quick. <laughs> but uh, man, a breath of fresh air in the space, dominating TikTok as well. Santi, Steve, how you doing, guys? Doing great. That was a great introduction. I couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Always been a fan of Fightful. So uh, it's a privilege to join you guys. Yes. Now, uh, you guys were very fortunate, much like I had a really bad UFC card in Vancouver. You guys retreated to what felt like a very stacked AEW Forbidden Door. So no better place to get it started. Um, first things first, I'm curious because we kind of have a unique opportunity that Santi and Steve were uh, in person for this event. I feel like on the surface, you know, a card like Forbidden Door is probably going to cater a little bit more to the hardcore fan than, let's say, like the average casual pro wrestling viewer. What was the atmosphere like in Toronto and Scotiabank for that card? Um, I'll, I'll jump on it first. Um, you go into cities like Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, Brooklyn, and it's always going to be the hardcore fans, the hostile fans. Um, and I think coming off of Double or Nothing, AEW really needed to perform a great pay-per-view. And I think they did it very much justice because Forbidden Door, the crowd 
in Toronto is going to tell you if you're not performing, if you're not putting on a good show. Um, we've seen that with countless events, um, but Forbidden Door and with the Toronto crowd, the, the atmosphere was something I've never experienced inside Scotiabank Arena. So I was I was thoroughly impressed by this. Yeah, I was actually a little bit nervous about um, the performance of Forbidden Door going into the drive to Toronto after seeing that um, they weren't able to fill the Air Canada Centre. Sorry, Scotiabank Arena. They just recently changed the name uh, for AEW Collision. So I was a little bit skeptical because uh, Toronto is a flag bearer city for professional wrestling. Like You need to perform here. Like You need to do well. Like, uh, like Steve mentioned, you know, the Chicago's of the world, the New York City's, the Brooklyn's of the world. There are specific cities where if you are coming here to plant your flag, you better perform because you will get booed out of the building if you don't perform. And Toronto is one of those cities. And I immediately felt that because uh, I'm a giant CM Punk fan. But the vibe and the <laughs> atmosphere is so electric that I was booing CM Punk and saying horrible things to CM Punk. That's how crazy and electric it was that it even turned a lifelong CM Punk fan into a, you know, 20 minute hater. <laughs> Who have you said worse things to, CM Punk or Steve? Um, yeah, Steve. <laughs> 100%. 100% me. Uh, Alex, um, let's start with you here as, a, as we sort of unpack Forbidden Door in its entirety. For you, how would you say the overall card compared to the 2022 installation of Forbidden Door? And I want to give last year's event a little bit of slack in the sense that you know there were quite a few injuries that sort of derailed that card but let's put that aside and let's just just talk about the execution how well do you think that aw and new japan did in contrast to their first efforts i i personally thought this year's forbidden door was better than last year's forbidden door and i I feel like with this presentation and the way they executed with this Forbidden Door, I think from last year, we've got the impression that this particular pay-per-view is for the hardcore fans. And even, I would even say like with AEW, some new fans of AEW are possibly just new fans of wrestling in general. And if they've watched Forbidden Door last year, they probably are familiar with Okada now, or they're probably familiar with Tanahashi. I mean, let's face it, there are possibly a lot of AEW fans that started out as WWE fans, and now they're following their favorites, such as Adam Cole and Brian Danielson and Soraya. And so, like, they are new to the New Japan, you know, product. But I feel like this year it was presented a little bit well, because last year it kind of felt like there was just a lot of matches that were thrown together. Uh, like the yeah. one with Jay White and Okada, like it just seemed like they were really trying to just pack everything all at once. Where with this year, it seemed like it was, for me at least, I got the impression that it was just much more laid out perfectly, right? Like Brian Danielson versus Okada, that is a match that all hardcore fans have wanted for almost as long as they've both been wrestling, you know? And to have Naito return, even at Collision and... um. I was kind of hoping to see Kota Ibushi, but I know he's not long, no longer really affiliated with New Japan. Maybe he was going to come out and save Kenny Omega versus Don Callis. Who knows? But there are uh, there were a lot of really, really great matchups from this past weekend. And for me, I think this is a good leg up for AEW um, because... Starting out the show with Tanahashi and MJF, I think that was great. It's like, let's get that out of the way. This is the championship. This is the champ 
champion. We know he's the champion, but here are some other wrestlers that, you know, half of these matches are dream matches. And we've got the the second part of Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega, and it blew the Wrestle Kingdom match out of the water. Um, but I know that for and me... And Santi's vocal cords. Yeah, these <laughs> vocal cords as well. Exactly. Uh, but for me, like, um, I have to say, if there is anything to improve, really, it is just the women's match. It really just felt like an afterthought. And it felt like they were mostly relying on Mercedes Monet. And obviously, she's injured and they weren't able to get her. But also, Stardom had just had a, a pay-per-view, a huge pay-per-view uh, the night before. And if somebody was going to fly out to Toronto, it would have been a 12-hour flight somehow. And, you know, it probably wasn't going to work out. Maybe some TJPW roster members, but it probably wasn't going to work out. Um, but I do like the setup with Willow Nightingale, and now she's possibly going to face Julia. And again, like, whether you are a fan of New Japan, like a new fan of New Japan uh, because of this event or because of last year's event. I think overall it's uh, a good improvement as a whole for both AEW and New Japan, but also just wrestling fans in general. You know, like sometimes a lot of the wrestling is catered to casual fans, specifically spe specifically with WWE, but also with AEW too, bringing in some stars. Um, but it's nice to have a pay-per-view where it's just like we all freaked out. Like, the final countdown, the fact that Brian Danielson came out to the final countdown, like that is a moment for a lot of people that grew up with him wrestling at Ring of Honor, but also probably have only been exposed to him in WWE. And they're like, who's this Brian Danielson guy? I want to check back and see, you know, it doesn't matter. And even if so, it's a great song. It's a great song to sing along to. Uh, so yeah, I was very satisfied with the event. And again, I thought that this year was 10 times better than last year. I do want to give a quick shout out to um, the women's match, Tony versus Willow, because they were put in a really tough spot in terms of like fan burnout after the 10 man tag, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they did a really great job of getting the crowd invested. Like Willow is having such a shining moment this year. Um, and she's just such a natural, almost old school baby face that is so easy to rally behind. So props to them. I think they got that match over better than I anticipated considering where it ended up being placed on the event. Uh, Santi, we'll go to you next. How do you feel about the overall execution of this year's show? Um, I think they knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, I got uh, in a little bit of heat on on the Twitters of the world uh, because maybe I didn't choose my words correctly because I said this is the greatest house show of all time. And when I meant house show, I meant more so an exhibition show because really like, you know, once these once this is all said and done. The next day, there's very little implications in terms of the result of the matches because they're on, in different brands, they're on different shows, they're in different con countries, different continents. Um, and one of the areas that I thought that the show uh, struggled in in terms of lead up was that I blinked and Forbidden Door went from a five match card to 14 like that. Um, and again, that's the nature of the exhibition aspect of this, where you can just bring in people from different blocks of professional wrestling and you're still going to be excited about it. It doesn't necessarily need this giant bloodline style feud for us to get invested into it. It really you really can just put Tanahashi in a match and you're like, OK, all right, I'm in. All right. 
Um, so for me, as mostly a WWE fan, as that's recently gotten into AEW, it took a little bit of getting used to to accept that fact that not everything in Forbidden Door needed to have this long, elaborate storyline. Um, the execution of the show. In ring work for me, it, it was fantastic. Probably one of the best live shows I've been to. The pacing was good. It was just too long. There's a clip of me reacting to Daniel Bryan tapping out Okada. And there's a person behind me sleeping. And that's because we were five and a half hours into this show. Um, so I think that there's still a little bit of kinks to work out when it comes to uh, AEW giving. And this is this was also a problem in Double or Nothing, uh, giving proper and ample screen time and in-ring time to matches, to performers, to storylines um, without burning out the crowd by the end. That's honestly, that is my only complaint about the show because I still really enjoyed Okada versus Daniel Bryan, excuse me, Brian Danielson, but ooh, <laughs> heresy, heresy, heresy. Um, but I wasn't able to enjoy it in the same way that I enjoyed Osprey same. versus um, um, versus uh, Omega, where I was standing for 50 minutes and jumping for 50 minutes. I enjoyed Okada versus Brian more like I would enjoy something like Shawshank Redemption, where I was sitting back and enjoying it. And I'm like, this is amazing, but I'm too tired to get up and scream at the top of my lungs. That's really the only complaint because I still really like the match. Now, uh, before we get to Steve, because I forgot to plug it off the top, guys especially those who maybe hopped over here on the straight shoot train. If you have any questions, comments, hopefully not any concerns, feel free to leave a super chat, a dollar, a thousand. I've got my preference, but it's all good. And we'll make sure to pull that up during the show, either live where it makes sense, maybe on the back end, but we will get to it. For example, Spencer B just wants to know what streaming platform are y'all using? We're on StreamYard today. Very convenient. It's the same question Sandy had for me when we got started. Um, and Sandy, I totally agree. Even in the comfort of my own home, I was trying to get through the show before I went to grab some uh, very indulgent five guys with my cousin because I'm like, he's going to want to break down everything that happened on this card. And I was struggling to get through Danielson Okada. And you can't help but wonder how that match might have stuck out in your mind had it been placed earlier in the card mm -hmm. when maybe there was, you know, the attention span could sort of accommodate for it. Steve, you were there too. Break it down for me. Pros, cons. The only, I reiterate everything Santi basically said. It was very well executed, but longevity. Um, I, we had this conversation on the drive back um, where we're like, we're so happy that kind of WWE, we know when you're getting a premium live event minus probably one of the big four, you're getting three hours and maybe 15 minutes and they stick tight. They have the ample time. They're able to tell the full story within their 20. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Max 23-minute to 27-minute match, um, unless it's Roman versus Drew at Clash of the Castle or something like that. But at the end of the day, like that's one of those ones where you're like you're privileged as a longtime WWE fan saying, okay, we know we're getting three hours and 15. Santi and I driving there, we're like, are we going to be getting home at like 5 a.m.? Because it's like an hour drive back and we didn't know if the show was going to end at one, two, three because of how long AEW events run. Um, the only other thing I can say that was a negative. I just do not understand why Osprey Omega was placed where it was placed, because I said to Santi, I think at one point we sat down uh during the uh the, the match right before that um for okada and um danielson and i said if it was anyone lesser i would suggest leaving because mm-hmm. we were both spent like we just looked at each other and like 50 55 minutes of just standing and screaming and reacting to kenny omega kicking out of a one wing and an angel at one like that kind of stuff you're like what is happening so i think that's my only gripe with the entire premium live event is the placement of that one match every driving up there we were like that's the main event like it has to be we know what toronto how toronto is going to react to that and it was just one of those ones where i'm sitting there and i'm like i'm exhausted yeah what's funny steve is that the same thing happened in toronto in WrestleMania 18, literally the same problem with The Rock and, and 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 Hogan, and then the crowd was just too spent afterwards to you know to to appreciate what they have in front of them. Um, yeah, the people beside me left after shortly after uh, Osprey and yeah, believe the Osprey, Osprey and Omega they left. I had a lot of room, which was great. Um, but yeah, there were people sleeping. No fault of the show. The no. show was awesome. It's just, it was really long. Yeah. You know, we, we describe it in, in closing as sort of, Santi apparently describes it as a greatest, biggest house show of all time. I do feel like with all the promotion, goes <laughs> Steve shaking his head over here. Um, I do feel like with all the promo that goes into it, like this wasn't a show that was only catered to that Toronto market. We've seen it woven into storylines on AEW programming. We saw New Japan stars um, cross over on AEW programming in advance. I think this year's show is a great improvement on last year's in AEW's attention to actually creating some storylines heading Mm -hmm. into this event. Mm -hmm. But I do still feel like we're halfway from really fine-tuning it. Like, for me, the matches that stood out the most were Kenny versus Will, not very much because of the in-ring product, but also because there was a story being told in the aftermath of the Wrestle Kingdom bout. They were able to tie in the ongoing feud between Don Callis and Kenny Omega. And the other match that really stood out for me, actually more than Okada versus Danielson, was the 10-man tag because we got to see all Mm -hmm. the interplay between Eddie and John. You know, Eddie was there for John in ways that John wasn't there for Eddie. I think that match was a perfect example of how to further execute forbidden kingdom next year or, or forbidden door next year i think there's room to grow 
hundred percent. Caffeine, man. You got. I need a coffee. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> Alex sitting here. Um, yeah, I think that's a hundred. I think we're really headed in the right direction. It's very exciting for what next year holds. I do want to see AEW continue to fine tune that product. Not every single match needs it. Like I think Danielson versus Okada speaks for itself. I think the Owen Hart Cup qualifiers make perfect sense. That's a really easy way to get a big match on that card. But I would like to see more. Um, they're giving it enough time on programming that it should be treated as a legitimate part of the sort of storyline calendar of AEW. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Uh, Very quickly, guys, before we move on to Money in the Bank, I would like to know, it's been hotly debated online over these last few days. I think Brian Danielson actually put it quite eloquently the Tiger Driver 91. Uh, Osprey basically spikes Kenny on his head in the closing moments of their match. Some people say it was super valuable and impactful into telling the story of that match. Others are saying it's an unnecessary risk. Brian Danielson, during the post-fight scrum, sort of described it as, you know, I don't like to see moves like that. They scare me. Does it add enough to the match to justify it? I don't have that answer. Maybe yes, maybe no. So I would like to get that answer from you guys. We'll start with Steve on this one because I saw the big grin on his face. (laughs) Was that move worth the cost? And the cost may be that they're fine, but you know. First off, I didn't see it. I saw from the angle I saw, I'm short, not like Santi who sees over everybody. Um, yeah, Santi, how did the people behind you watch the show? <laughs> sounds like sounds like a them problem. You should be asking them. I was there to enjoy myself. The the vertically challenged people were struggling behind Santi. Um, <laughs> Just get on his shoulders. <laughs> That's what you got to do, Steve. Like, like <laughs> Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. He, he would spike me in a second. He, he would spike no, me. I'm a one-winged angel. Like, yeah. Um, and I'm not kicking out, I promise. Um, <laughs> no, um, personally, for what this feud is and what this storyline is, um, after I watched it back, because it was the first thing I did when I got home, I actually watched Kenny versus Will back when i got home that night and i truly believe it was a tactical necessary risk i thought for everything that these guys are going to throw at each other especially when the third match comes these guys have to pull everything to make this one of the greatest feuds in new japan and AEW history i didn't like it it looked terrifying like danielson said it's it makes you uncomfortable, but for what the story is and moving forward and how to bring more eyes that these guys are doing these crazy band moves, um, I I'm okay with I was okay with it. Alex, um, I I was okay with it too. I agree with Steve because when you look back to their Wrestle Kingdom match, that was a brutal match. And so they had to elevate that, right? Because everyone else, you know, we know how Twitter is. Twitter is not a real world anyway. But uh, with that, now there's discourse of like, was it necessary? This and that, blah, blah, blah. They're professional wrestlers and they know their bodies more than us, right? Of course, as fans, we've seen people uh, over the years either were forced to work through an injury or have been injured so bad because they're trying to get, you know, a good 
pop or whatever the case may be. But I feel like with this match, it was just taking it to the next level. And in order for them to take it to the next level, they felt that they were going to do the Tiger Driver 91. Um, so I, like Steve, when I watched it, I watched it from home. And so when I watched it, I completely cringed so hard um, because I was like, oh my God, he landed on his neck. And honestly, when I saw that and they were helping, they were, Kenny was being helped out of the ring. I can instantly think of when Austin was, you know, the pile driver with Owen Hart and how he was pretty much was saying like, I know I want to walk out of the ring. I don't want to be carried out. Don't bring a stretcher, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Then again, that was like the wild, wild west of wrestling and injuries and not taking care of yourself. But again, Kenny Omega has been wrestling for 20 years now. Will Ospreay has been wrestling for X amount of years, probably 20 years, not too familiar with it, but they are professional wrestlers. If they felt that, you know, they were safe enough to perform this move, then by all means, go ahead and do it, you know, just be safe. My one thing that I find entirely unnecessary is Brian Danielson doing seizures in the middle of his match. That I have a huge problem with, <laughs> only because like there is already an invisible elephant in the room when Brian Danielson is wrestling because I obviously we know his history with injuries and we know his history with concussions and he does suffer from seizures so mm -hmm. i get a little freaked out honestly when i when i see that but i do understand his sentiments with that move and now with his style when he's wrestling right because he did mention in the scrum like if that was 20 years ago back in ring of honor he would do anything and he would probably take that move but now he's learned and he knows his body more that he cannot take it but there's other wrestlers now that know their bodies as well and they can take it. But yeah, I I don't think it was either a question of like, was it necessary or was it unnecessary? It's just like, are they good? Are they safe? Yeah. No injuries, no worries. Everybody's necks is good. Everybody's heads is still sitting on its place. Yes. Okay, cool. Great match. I just want to jump onto that quick because what Alex said about the seizures, when I saw that at the arena, that took me right back to Eddie Guerrero on SmackDown. Yeah. And that made me really uncomfortable so i'm more annoyed about the seizure than i am about the pile driver and i'm surprised that nobody else is talking about the the seizures either but again like i do understand the point of the psychology bringing that into the wrestling into the wrestling match because again there is you know an invisible layer of brian danielson's matches when we do watch it that you know, when he takes these crazy moves, when he's bleeding, gushing blood, it's like, oh my God, just please be careful. Please be careful. But it's not just him. It's yeah. when Edge wrestles. It's when Soraya wrestles. It's when anybody wrestles that we know has that deep history of like their neck injuries and concussions and whatnot. But again, like, yeah, you, you were there. Like you probably had, I mean, both of you guys were there. So you probably had like a better sense of the energy in the room when, he was doing that seizure and again i understand the psychology of it but that i'm surprised no one is talking about that we should uh we should book brian danielson versus rick flair and everyone can just uh <laughs> oh, boo. oh boy <laughs> Santi? uh no it's interesting because i i actually fall on the on the other side of things um so i mean i'm a fairly logical person um when it comes to these types of, of discussions like to me I think it's a logical conclusion to say if people are asking if it was worth it, it probably just wasn't because if it was worth it, it would have been such a valuable and important monumental spot in that match. 
that everyone would unanimously say it was worth it. I'm thinking Edge spearing Jeff Hardy from the top of the ladder. No one here just like debates whether or not that spot was worth it or not, because it was so such a monumental moment to make that match as historic and as legendary as it was. That Tiger Driver 91 was not the top. It wasn't the second. I'd argue it was maybe even the third pop of that match. The kick out at one. The uh, the foot on the rope, the stadium oh, lost so. its mind. There were already a lot of great story elements that were in place to demonstrate the brutality of the match, like the the the, the screwdriver. Um, so, like, if we're asking ourselves, was it worth it? Was this dangerous move worth it? To them, it probably was because they're the professionals, right? Like they know, like you said, they know their bodies. I'm not going to sit here with Cheeto dust on my chest criticizing, oh, how dare they do these really dangerous moves when I haven't been to the gym in four days. So would I criticize them for choosing to add that? Four days is a generous, (laughs) very generous uh, parody of the people you're talking about. Um, so I would I wouldn't criticize them for choosing to add that as part of the match. But again, like if the if the public discourse is asking whether it was worth it, it means that it wasn't that monumental of a moment or a spot in the match where if we were to remove it, where we would stop saying this is one of the greatest matches we've ever seen. Because if we remove that spot, I, I'm still of the mind that that was one of the greatest matches. It melted my freaking face, guys. It was such a good match. Um, so I'm of the mind that like, okay, like if we're discussing whether it was worth it or not, yeah, I guess it probably just wasn't worth it. But let's not sit here online, um, you know, when no one here is, I don't know about you guys, but I've never taken a bump and say, well, oh my goodness, High and mighty from the top of my horse. How dare thee do such an illegal, (laughs) dangerous move? Um, But, you know, I I do stick to the point where it it wasn't the most vital moment of that match. So I guess it's not worth it. Um, Again, like people talk about how dangerous that move is. You think they don't know? You think they don't know how dangerous that move is? Of course they totally do. I guarantee you out of all the spots in that match, that's probably the one that they rehearsed countless, countless, countless times. The only thing where I'm like, yo, how did you do that when you're all smothered in blood and and, in sweat? Aren't you slippery? And don't you think, again, these are the professionals. But again, if we're talking, was it worth it? I guess it probably just wasn't then. If if that's, if we have to ask. The Daniel Bryan convulsions, I'm with you. I'm like, that, I, I turned to Steve, I'm like, Daniel Bryan's convulsing. Like, dude, Daniel Bryan's convulsing. Like, dude, dude, like, is he okay? And then, of course, they 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 worked us. They worked me pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the type of work that I want to be, that, that I want to be a part of. No, yeah. Uh, I'm here all day for Will Ospreay licking Kenny Omega's blood off his arms, though. Just- oh, the, 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 the shit. The chant uh, in the city. Give me all the hepatitis, guys. Oh, yeah. <gasps> I will. I, I will say one <laughs> thing. Um, where this, where that move becomes incredibly valuable, is in creating public discourse after the match, right? Like here we are talking about it. The internet is talking about it. Um, so yeah, maybe it was this brilliant marketing piece to make everyone talk about this match. But you know, is that? the discourse that you want to have about your match, or do you want the discourse to be, this was the best freaking match of all time. It's up for the bait. I guess look at it too, though. The two main clips that came out of that entire match was the kick out at one and the pile driver. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the public discourse. So that definitely helped with like the AEW builds to become one of these. Oh my God, must must see 
uh, shows. So how many times have we seen that video just cross us on Twitter? Like obviously being in the, the wrestle verse of Twitter. Um, but like that video I've been scrolling all day and I've seen it easily a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Free marketing. Yeah. And, and we can say that it was a great idea. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply because it ended up doing well like no one got hurt right but what would we be here saying if he didn't land that well right um but again like you know captain hindsight over here uh it ended up good so you know i don't think it's that that huge of a deal like it ended up well like let's just enjoy the fact that it was a fantastic match all right guys um i'm gonna swap around the order a bit because i just want to touch on this one very quickly and then we can dedicate the back half to wwe money in the bank uh Shout out to good old JR on the Super Chats who says, I'd say Forbidden Door came across well on TV, top to bottom. There was so much good on the card. The four-way, Kojima Punk, the hype still stuck in my mind. Uh, Shout shout out to Daniel Garcia for completely, I I, I don't even have the balls to do it, but he's uh, fully embraced the sports entertainer inside of him. It's so good. It's so good. If Anyone want to give it a shot? If that's not if that's not in the video game, I want my money back. <laughs> it needs to see. be a taunt. Like I'm just gonna spam the taunt button. And I'm just gonna be like. <laughs> All right. On that note, um, I was very interested to see sort of how the character arc of CM Punk was gonna play out. Following all the discourse in his return, uh, the announcement of his collision debut by Tony Khan got kind of a mixed crowd reaction. Obviously, a lot of love in Chicago, not so much on collision in Canada. And holy hell, man, I don't know how much of it was love for Satoshi Kojima, how much of it was a disdain for CM Punk, but that crowd was about as anti-punk as you can get. Even see, they even turned Santi here. Poor Santi. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can honestly Turning say I still don't know why we were we were booing him. Oh, g- guys, I I I sat down. I mi- I missed Collision the night before. I couldn't watch it. So I see him. Punk comes out, and I'm cheering, and then everyone's booing. I turn to the people behind me. I'm like, so. I didn't get the memo. Are we booing Punk? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, we freaking hate him. They didn't say freaking. so on that note uh we kind of saw the heelish tendencies even in the uh eight man tag on collision it was in hyperdrive against kojima i guess my question is not where do we think this is headed but how do we want this to play out do we want cm punk to sort of just straddle the line between face and heel or are we moving towards you know a slow burn heel turn and is that probably what's best for business i'm just going to open the floor on this one yeah i'll I'll go um coming off his uh promo from collision when he returned and obviously we know well we can assume what's in the red bag where we're we're on a on a train line to mjf And if MJF is given the creative freedom that he is given to virtually say anything, 
to combat that punk needs to be able to virtually say anything so a heel punk i'm fine i've always been a fan of the tweener but if we are gonna go heel mjf and we're gonna get a heel version of punk this could be one of the most incredible promo rounds of feuds that we've ever seen and i'm okay with this being a direct line to punk going heel but still feuding with mjf i know everyone's like oh that doesn't make sense it made perfect sense because it's literally the excuse my French. It's the two biggest assholes in AEW going one on one with each other. And I'm fine with it because I know what the promos are going to deliver. Because here's the thing. Punk is slowing down in the ring. So he's got to build up somewhere else. And why not build up where you're the best on the mic? And let's just see MJF and Punk just go. And it, I'm I'm big on that, so that I think it's a great way for him just to go go heal and let's see where it goes. Uh, I I agree with Steve. I would like to I would like for this to lead to a full heel run. And again, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, the promos between him and MJF, if he's able to say whatever he wants, and MJF is, it's going to be. Another viral clip that's going around on wrestling Twitter, <laughs> but fascinating that, you know, the first collision show was in Chicago. He was, it was definitely, you know, he was going to come back and it had to be in Chicago because he had to get that love. Right. But they're going to start traveling. And I've always said here, it was fun because when Punk was officially back, it was the comeback tour, right? And he was traveling all over the country. And there's so many people that either have been a lifelong CM Punk fan and they've never seen him live, have, you know, started WWE again, probably have not seen him live, or they fell in love with his stuff while he was away from wrestling, haven't seen him live, or they haven't seen him in a while. Either way, like people we're going to be excited to see him. And Steven Santi, you both were very excited to see him and you guys are both fans. But once you're in that arena, a little bit of mob mentality kind of goes over you and you have to boo, right? Because again, that's what the show is meant to be. You're cheering or you're booing. And if everybody else is booing, that's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is part of the show. Boo, yeah, yeah, I hate you. But oh my God, please sign my stuff and be amazing and everything, you know? But that's the beauty of wrestling, you know? That is the beauty of wrestling. But I think it's going to be really fascinating to see him tour because Toronto doesn't like CM Punk and that's fair but who's to say last year if he was probably going to be in Toronto was he going to get booed was he going to get cheered like that's the over like the the layer of mystery of Punk coming back is like what is the reception going to be for him and if we think back to Full Gear it was in Newark and the elite came back they were saying you know part of my French fuck CM Punk chants so they're coming back to Newark next month in july july 22nd so what's going to be the reaction with him and newark tri-state area is a huge loud crowd famously so what what's going to happen there uh i know he's they're going to be going to other parts in toronto uh so i'm excited to see in general what it's going to be right like i think if you're coming back <laughs> into a company with and you just fought several individuals which the company is named all elite wrestling they are the elite 
you can't really come back as a face like, hey, everybody, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. Here's Larry. Like, you can't really do that. You know, you got to play it up. And with him, he does a really great job doing it. He yeah. does a fantastic job. Let him roll with it. I prefer to see a heel punk than a face punk any day. And that's coming from somebody that I don't really have any feelings about punk. I miss the whole era of punk and he's back. Yay. But like Steve said, he is slowing down in the ring. And so... You know, I'd rather see him play it up and be a heel and just, I don't know, bring back the straight edge society if you need to, whatever. But I I like it, and I do hope that it does lead to a heel run. All right, Santi, take us home on this one. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with with everyone here. Uh, yeah, like to me, like CM Punk is 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 wrestling royalty because he saved wrestling for me personally as a fan in 2011 when I think wrestling was like in its doldrums. Uh, and today is the uh, anniversary of CM oh, the Punk's pipe bomb. Yeah, so yeah. It's, so it's pretty appropriate. And of course, famously, CM Punk also saved the UFC. I'm sure you guys can all agree um, <laughs> with that amazing legendary run that he had there. Uh, <laughs> ah, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but the I'm thing watching is, watching the highlights yesterday. <laughs> no, no, the the very I, it's I totally I bet it was totally unintentional. But it's so difficult to figure out where to take Punk because we've only seen him in the two places that are gonna for sure have extreme feelings on him one way or the other. Chicago, he can kick a puppy in front of Chicago and they'd still root for CM Punk. And then in Toronto, he could cure every disease and everyone would still be booing CM Punk. Like it's just the two extremes. It was just going to happen. What happens if they go to Raleigh, North Carolina? Like what, what happens there? What happens in Jacksonville? I genuinely don't know. And that's what's going to make this very, it's got my eyes glued to it. Whatever they do with CM Punk is going to work in my opinion, because I think he's a very good, I don't think he's a good, like traditional baby face. I think he's that good Austin tweener baby face, but he's a fantastic heel. Um, I prefer heel CM Punk all day, every day. Um, but I think um, at this stage, like when we look at the, collision roster specifically like if that's what they're going to be building around them does collision have a strong enough baby face to be that polar opposite of the cm punk because we also don't have a proper identity to collision yet it's still very much in its infancy stage and i think the identity of collision is going to be very vital in terms of determining where to take cm punk so we'll see i think it could be very interesting maybe we end up getting a dynamite fans and collision fans. That would be kind of cool. Like where now the AEW fandom is now like picking sides. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know where they're going to take this because again, like our barometer of CM Punk temperature, like we've only gotten the two extremes. So I don't know, like go put them in Wyoming. What's the reaction going to be there from the five people that live there? I'd be very curious. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Go on, Sid. Oh, no, what I was going to say is like with what Sandy said about his UFC run, I believe during the match, I yelled out, you're performing like you did in the UFC. And we I got a slight head turn from him. And I don't know why I said it, because I'm a like I love punk. But like that just shows like that mob mentality that Santi was talking about, like 
I don't dislike Punk, but for 20 some odd minutes while Punk was out in Toronto, I was the I disliked Punk as more than I disliked John Cena. And that says something. Yeah. <laughs> now, guys, before we finish up on Money in the Bank all the way in London, if you are one of those five people living in Wyoming or anywhere else on this planet Earth, you might need a little NordVPN in your life. Let's go to Sean Ross <laughs> NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Block online trackers, annoying pop-up ads, unlock geo-blocked content. Maybe you missed the WWE Network. Maybe you want that AEW+. Maybe you want to subscribe to overseas services so you can get UFC pay-per-views at a reduced rate. Well, NordVPN.com slash Fightful allows you to do that. And you can do it with four months for free with that link. Not only that, you get your 30-day money-back guarantee as well, just in case you don't like it for any reason. It works on all of your devices so you can do this stuff wherever you are. Maybe you're on that unsecured Wi-Fi at the airport, the hotel. It can be dangerous. Your info is at risk. But you can still gain access to all that stuff. Check out all of your favorite shows or maybe shows you haven't discovered before with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Now with multiple tiers so you can get whatever services that you want. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. SRS, one of a kind. Uh, guys, we are running a little short on time, so we're going to have to truncate money in the bank. Uh, let's start with the men's ladder match and then we'll finish up on the women's ladder match i think for most people there are two leading candidates to take home that briefcase la knight and i still can't believe i'm saying it logan paul say it loud and proud no. logan paul yes <laughs> there you go Stop. i feel like we're split here guys i want two things from you first your prediction or sorry, first, who you think should win the men's money in the bank ladder match? And second, secondarily, if you're Santi and you're picking Logan Paul, how do we get LA Knight in a strong position after the fact? Let's start with Alex on this one. Why would you ever want to see Logan Paul succeed anywhere? Jeez. I'm never so coming back to the show It's the reality we're living in, Alex. I'm <laughs> never coming back to the show ever again until you ask. I mean, I say yes. Until uh, the last month of July, right? right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I I really do think that LA Knight needs to win. I mean, he's so hot. You have to capitalize on that. Um, and so, yeah, I just think LA Knight should win. I absolutely don't think Logan Paul should win. Although, I guess, you know, it would be interesting to see him, like, dip in every now and then. Like, whoo-hoo, I get the money in the bank. And then he actually doesn't do it. And then... He does it. And then he fails. That would be amazing. Uh, but <laughs> if there's anyone else that I want that I could pick for the money in the bank other than L.A. Knight, I mean, I would love to see a resurrection of Shinsuke Nakamura in WWE. I think that would be really cool to see him have the money in the bank. And uh, yeah, I would love to see that. But absolutely not Logan Paul at all. I don't Santi? want it. Um, first I want to say like this is such an intriguing money in the bank match like it for the first time this is a star making match for sure 
None of these fellas have ever been at the top of the top of the of the of the card consistently. They've never won world championships. This is what we want out of money in the bank. And look, I'm going to play Jekyll and Hyde here. Who should win L.A. Knight? Yeah, of course. Come on. It, it He's the right choice. But look, the Logan, Logan Paul winning just creates such a fun scenario. And I've explained this to Steve. He instantly becomes the boogeyman of the WWE, where at any moment, your darling puts on a 25-minute match, finally dethrones the tribal chief Roman Reigns, five, like beats Seth Rollins, and you can't celebrate until the, the credits roll because in the back of your head, you're always thinking the boogeyman Logan Paul could come down and crush my soul, crush my heart, and take that belt to impulsive. It just, to me, just creates... It creates <laughs> cinema. Cinema is what it creates, but LA Knight is who I want to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is there enough, Steve? Because I I saw you shaking your head when I brought up Logan. Is there enough value in Logan Paul yes. running around impulsive and all these different media appearances with the Money in the Bank briefcase to just, from a business point of view, you just have to kind of do it. From a business sense, it, it it makes complete sense. Logan Paul being, and it took a long time for me to swallow my pride and agree with Santi on this. From a business sense. 100% Logan Paul being in WWE dr- bringing millions of people that might not have grown up on pro wrestling like we all did and bringing new eyes, bringing new value, bringing new merch sales, pay-per-view or network buys, that kind of thing. Yes, okay, Logan Paul is there is value in Logan Paul. Now let's get to money in the bank. Money in the bank, uh I'm going as much as I want it to be LA Knight I re- like I I think Santi and I have both been saying LA Knight for over six, seven months now. We were talking about this in November. Um, but my I'm going with my dark horse. I'm going with Damian Priest because mm-hmm. I've been playing with this scenario that we are in the UK. We are at Money in the Bank, this new version of Balor, and we've seen this um little tension between Priest and Balor, and I'm making the call now. Finn wins the world title at Money in the Bank, wow. and Damian Priest cashes in. And there goes there goes the feud of the Judgment Ooh. Day. Ooh. So I don't I don't want to give away too much because Cultaholic, I love you guys, but you get you said too much in a tweet. Apparently, there's a report that um, WWE is planning a major upset. We know they're high on the Judgment Day right now. I love that idea. I hate. I hate that for Seth Rollins so much because this world title run was supposed to be the culmination of him putting everybody else in the company over. But man, Finn is overdue for his moment. Yeah. I love all of that. I love all of that. What do we do with LA Knight if he doesn't win on Saturday night? Like, how do we start? Because there has to be a reward for him at the end of all this. He's too hot. The fans are way too behind him. I think... You can get around him losing the Money in the Bank ladder match briefcase, but like, what do you do to give him a push up the division after this Saturday? It's going to be difficult. I think a lot of people are married now to the idea of LA Knight winning Money in the Bank. I think it's going to be across the board disappointment if he doesn't win. But if you haven't been disappointed by WWE booking decisions, are you new here? (laughs) Where have you been? (laughs) Um, But, you know, uh, I could definitely see them maybe doing some sort of tournament. Number one contender goes on to SummerSlam. 
LA Knight wins. And then Logan Paul comes out, cashes in the money in the bank. Like I told you, Logan Paul winning leads to the heartbreak that is inevitable. And what better heartbreak than giving the title to the guy that everybody wants, LA Knight, only for the guy that nobody wants to take the title away from him seconds later. I'm telling you, cinema, cinema. Um, Guys, <laughs> just if you have a super chat you want to get in, we're rolling through the last minutes of the show, so make sure you get that in. I do want to make, as I'm thinking through this, one amendment to Steve's uh, storyline here. I would love, just because the Judgment Day I feel is clicking like they never have before, I would love to do a slow burn on that cash-in where we see Finn getting sort of more and more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for as my caffeineless brain starts? More and more sort of conspiratorial about Damien's intentions. I feel like there's a slow burn breakup we could really do with uh, him getting sort of on edge, maybe leaning more on J- JD and fostering that relationship. I feel like that's a story you could tell over a long period of time. Um, the women's money in the bank, we can't leave them hanging. There are two of these ladder matches on the show. Is this the EO Sky show? Because that's how it feels for me. It is the EO Sky show, but I'm going again against against the grain with everyone else. I'm I'm going with Zelina Vega because I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled. <laughs> She's performed incredibly over the past six months because she was thrown into this situation with the LWO where the LWO literally didn't get a win for four months when they got put together. And then finally, you saw the reaction she obviously got in Puerto Rico. Her mic skills have improved tremendously. She was spitting fire uh, on Monday Night Raw. So I'm I'm going with Zelina Vega, even though it is the EO Sky show, like everyone else has been saying. I'm going with Zelina Vega. I'll get myself right out of the way. Alex, Santi, Alex. Uh, I like the idea of Selena Vega uh, winning because like what Santi says is the money in the bank should be a star making uh, match. And I think with Selena Vega, that could be possible. I mean, she's already up in the rise and she's so underrated uh, and possibly the dark horse going into this match, maybe. But um, I would like to see it. I would like to see EO Sky win too, but I think... It would be cool if somehow Eosky is like reaching up on the top of the ladder, nobody's in sight, and she's going to get it, and somehow Bailey continues to get in her way. Yeah. And then mm. maybe Bailey wins it. And then again, there's that that the, the you know, the stress that we've been seeing in the damage control uh as of lately. But I would not be mad also to live in a world where Trish Stratus has the money in the bank. I would not be too mad about it. Like, again, she's good at what she does. She's a legend for a reason, right? Uh, and so even if she breaks into both um, shows, sorry, brain fart. Even if she <laughs> breaks into both, like, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, like, to have Trish Stratus maybe, like, holding up the money in the bank in front of uh, Charlotte right now, you know? Like, something of that... Or not Charlotte, sorry, Asuka. Does she have the belt? Oh my gosh, I can't even keep up. Asuka, <laughs> Asuka there you go. Oh my gosh, sorry, Asuka. Uh, the brain fart is still happening. Uh, <laughs> but either way, uh, I am excited to see the women's match. But again, I feel like this it's very different compared to the men's match. Again, like the men's match, it does have a lot of stars that have not been world champions. But in the women's match, there are. So... Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes, but I think I would be happy with anyone 
really winning the women's uh, almost anyone winning winning the women's <laughs> well one name we didn't mention so far here is zoe stark i could almost envision a sort of christian cage luchasaurus-esque luchasaurus-esque situation where you have zoe as the money in the bank winner but sort of trisha's sort of spotlighting as the one who deserves it so i feel like there's some parallels we could draw there with our canadians that's actually fascinating because what my one complaint about trish stratus winning is she doesn't need it she's already a hall of famer but if we're doing that then it's not a star making opportunity for trish like we're making a star out of uh zoe stark i think that, that's actually brilliant um but yeah like for for me yeah I, I think that's a brilliant um for me though like i i you know, I, I think my de facto choice is EO Sky. I just think that she just makes a lot of sense. I think she is one nudge away from being a bona fide main eventer. Um, while people like Zoe Stark, I think, needs a little bit more, uh, do still need a little bit more work. Uh, Zelina Vega is a very interesting choice because I still think WWE as a Latino is still treading water, trying to find that Latino superstar to represent them in the Latin American market. And they're trying really hard with Santos Escobar and it's not working with Santos Escobar. I I, I, I think that they've had it under their nose their entire time that it's actually Zelina Vega uh, that can be that mega star in the Latin American world alongside Damian Priest. Um, but I love that choice. What I want out of this, though, is I want a true Miss Money in the Bank reign. We they they're very cheap with the Miss Money in the Bank briefcase oh. where they just cash in the next day in a week, right? Like let Sick them have night. yeah, let's let them have that Dolph Ziggler reign where it's like time's ticking, it's running out. You're all you only have so many opportunities left. Let them be Miss Money in the Bank rather than just using it as a quick vehicle to give them the title. I want to see the Money in the Bank briefcase create a character out of somebody and help them uh, develop and, and, and go to the top of the uh, of, of the main event. Yeah, I mean, that worked with Carmella, right? Like yeah. Carmella, nobody really saw her as a threat. She held on to that briefcase for a while and then she cashed in the night after WrestleMania against Charlotte, who just beat Oscar's streak. Like that was yeah. a huge, huge deal. So I agree. I would like to see someone hold it on for a while. And I think if that's the case, building up a character and building up a little bit more hype on them, Selena Vega would probably be the best choice for that scenario. It, it also brings a little bit of credibility to the LWO because like, it's such a jobber faction right now. Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen how much of an influence that, they're, you know, they're, <laughs> hey, hey, look at that. There we go. Jobber Steve. <laughs> signing on um hey well you know just like i feel like rhea ripley paid such a big role in sort of the reinvention of judgment day and sort of bringing credibility to that group i feel like zelina vega and steve who according to the chat has been taking a lot of common steve w's today I think we could make it happen. So you know what? You guys have sold me on Selena Vega. <laughs> guys, we're about out of time. So I want to give everyone the chance to plug away. I'll get my part out of the way. Guys, thanks so much for checking it out, for having me, for tolerating me back. Your once a month dose of the Fightful Roundtable. You can check all my wrestling content over at Shaq Wrestling on YouTube as well as CBS Sports. Sorry, it's been a little slow with the interviews. Nature of the beats. It can't be helped. But if you're one of the few MMA fans, no shortage of that content. Interviews this week with the UFC Fight Night headliners. There's stuff with the pay-per-view stars. Every week you can count on main event, co-main event guys over on that channel. Got a video of Sean Strickland coming out today, for better or for worse. Uh, Alex, I want to throw the baton over to you. 
Uh, yes, you can follow me at Queen of the Ring right there on Twitter, uh, youtube.com slash Queen of the Ring Wrestling. I usually do Dark Side of the Ring watch along. So if you need someone to watch that with you and cry and go through the very dark, sad moments of that show, mm -hmm. I'm your mm -hmm. gal. So come through. Also, twitch.tv slash Queen of the Ring. Uh, we have fun there and we watch wrestling all the time. And we also watch Ms. and Mrs. because it's the best reality show of all time. Uh, and also, if you want to get to know more Joshi wrestling, it's a big time for Joshi as well. Uh, you can follow Church of Joshi everywhere on Instagram and Twitter. And we also are on Twitch. That's where we air our shows every Sunday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Fancy, Steve. I don't know how you guys like to do this. I'll go first. Um, you can check us out together uh, as a group as part of the Straight Shoot podcast on uh, YouTube. Straight Shoot, a wrestling podcast. You can also find us on uh, on TikTok with the same handle, Straight Shoot, a wrestling podcast. Uh, we discuss and dissect wrestling as it happens in the moment for the moment. And we also like to play a lot of uh, wrestling trivia quizzes. So if you want, you know, some of the serious wrestling discussion, but also some of the lighthearted fun that should be enjoyed with professional wrestling as well. Like let's not forget that May young ones gave birth to a hand. All right. It's not always that serious. You can make a WrestleMania debut with uh, Sami Zayn and giant Knoxville. Yeah. 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 I think it just turned old enough to drink by the way. Uh, <laughs> straight shooter wrestling. <laughs> podcast my personal handles you can find me on uh, youtube.com slash mr santi's app as well as uh, same handle on tiktok uh and then you can find me over on twitch twitch.tv slash santi's app for wrestling content whether it's watch alongs wwe 2k the upcoming AEW fight forever if you're a wrestling fan it's a great twitch channel to go check out give it a chance steve and yeah, I'll reiterate, reiterate what Santi said, straight shoot platforms across YouTube and TikTok. And obviously our Twitter is moving as well. Uh, we have somebody running our Instagram as well at straight shoot uh, PC um, on my stuff at Mr. Tesh uh, YouTube channel starts next week, finally, and at twitch.tv slash Mr. Tesh. Um, yeah, guys, just come out. It's great wrestling content across the board. Santi and I on our platform act like complete idiots. A um, lot of common Steve L's. <laughs> everywhere and we've got some really interesting content coming up for uh SummerSlam, which i'm really yeah. looking forward to show it'll be a it'll be a new uh breath of fresh air in the wrestling community so i'm looking forward to dropping that for sure stuff. his youtube channel has been coming longer than veer Well, <laughs> well that, that's the vibe of our of our podcast by the way you got yeah. a little taste of it yeah well i wish i could end it there but we do have to give a salute to sean ross sap and the wonderful team over at fightful for hosting us you haven't already maybe you joined santi and St steve on this week's show maybe you followed alex over on the train please hit subscribe tap that notification bell lots of content every day coming out of those guys we will see you back on a round table end of july until then Enjoy all the pro wrestling out there. Don't take it too seriously. And have a great week. Peace. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.